And I hope you'll be back tonight. He'll be preaching in the service this evening, and then uh, we'll have a fellowship in the fellowship hall. It'll be cake and punch. It'll just be a light time of refreshment, but mostly fellowship to get to spend some time with them and say uh, so long, at least for a little while. We'll still see them from time to time. As a matter of fact, uh, we're going to have a dedication service for their building the week after Easter on Sunday night. I know a Rise Baptist Church is coming. We're going to take as many people as we're willing to travel. Uh, for our evening service on that Sunday night and then we'll have a service here for those that cannot go uh, but as many of us as can we'll go and have a great time there at the church plant and see the building that God's given them. It's an amazing thing. Not too many church planters, and put it this perspective, um, Adriana and Aaron's mom and dad planted a church in Vancouver, uh, Burnaby, British Columbia 20 years ago uh, and the cost of property there is just so unbelievably expensive. Matter of fact, the last time I was there uh, Pastor Mackay told me that there was one piece of property in the city of Burnaby. It was undeveloped. It was one acre, and the cost of that three years ago was $2.9 million. Uh, and so <clears throat> it is just unbelievable, uh, the cost of property there. And it's not cheap in Houston. Uh, and so for a church plant to be able to start with a building uh, for a dollar a year for three years, that, that really at the end of that three years in all likelihood will just be signed over to them. Uh, is an amazing thing. It's a half million dollar piece of property that some businessmen that want to invest in church planting in the city uh, have made available to them. And so that all is supposed to close the sale uh, on the first so that they can get the keys and get in and get busy and get to work. And so we're excited for them and excited about what God has done. I would say that in my mind, that's probably the biggest miracle that God has done. Uh, and so, but there's just been all kinds of things along the way, like their car that they had when they started was, there was no way it was going to survive uh, deputation and uh, it didn't even make the first trip, I don't think. Uh, and so they tried hard because they didn't want to have to get something new, but they ended up having to, in the middle of a trip, just trade that thing in and get something that was reliable for them and their girls. And so, and, and God provided someone to make the payments for the rest of that year. And so we praise the Lord. Uh, for God's provision along the way, uh, and we're looking forward to see, seeing how things develop and progress there in, in the days ahead. Uh, if you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to Joshua chapter number 14. Joshua chapter number 14. <clears throat> Some of you, the clock monster got you this morning, and I knew it was going to happen. It always happens on this particular Sunday every year. Uh, and so, but I'm glad that you made it. And so a couple of people came in and started heading to Sunday school and, uh, and then realized, oh no. And so, but we're just glad that you're here. It's, it's almost happened to me a couple of times and, and uh, we try to remind everybody the best that we can, but there's just something about that Saturday night and you go through a long week and you get ready and it's just not, not the first thing that's on your mind typically, unless you're a pastor, then it's really heavy on your mind. Uh, and so, cause you're worried about how things are going to go as, as things move along. Joshua chapter 14 and verse 6. If you found your place, let's stand uh, as we prepare for the reading of the Lord's Word this morning. Joshua chapter 14, we'll begin reading in verse number 6. <clears throat> the Bible says, Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephna, uh, the Kenzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea and to, to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart, made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. 
And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, and he said these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. And as yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day, in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. And if so be, the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephna Hebron for an, Hebron for an inheritance. And Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephna the Kenzite unto, his, unto this day, uh, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And I want to speak to you this morning on this thought, if God be with me. And let's pray. Father, as we come this morning, may our hearts be open to your word. Uh, Lord, we come this morning seeking to worship you, to exalt your name. And Lord, we will also come seeking to hear from you. Lord, I pray that you would challenge our hearts, that you would speak to us now. Lord, I pray that the work that needs to be done in each and every life, from the pastor all the way down to the guest the, 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 today, uh, that you would speak to us and that you would, uh, Lord, give us a vision for what things you would have done in our ministries, in our lives, uh, in our families, our homes. Lord, may we represent you. May we serve you well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. <clears throat> our story here really begins 45 years earlier. The text alludes to that fact. Uh, and it begins in Numbers chapter number 13. And so we're going to turn back there just for a moment, if you would. Uh, Numbers chapter 13, we're not going to read this entire story uh, here, but we do need to give a little bit of context. And so at the beginning of chapter number 13, the Lord speaks to Moses and he commands Moses to pick out 12 men, uh, one from each of the tribes, to go into the promised land and to uh, spy out the land. And so he goes through of the leaders of these men and he chooses out uh, these 12 men and he sends them to espy the land, to go into sea. Now it's important to note here that God is on a plan and on a course to get Israel from slavery into the promised land in a very short period of time, no more than just a few weeks uh, of the time that it took them to travel basically from the crossing of the Red Sea directly to uh, this place where he would have them enter and they've gone there. He's given the law. They are preparing uh, to take possession of what God had promised Abraham so long ago. Uh, and so he's, uh, you can imagine God ready to deliver the promise. Uh, you know, it's, it's not hard to imagine him as being excited uh, about, hey, the time is now. I'm going to deliver to my people what I promised their father Abraham so many years ago. Uh, they have fulfilled the time and the things that I prophesied concerning them. Uh, and we bring them in. And so, but they have been complaining along the way. Uh, they have not gone as easily and as faithfully as they should have. Uh, and so there's a test here. There's a test of their faith. Will they do what God has commanded them to do? There have been a series of, of uh, failures in this area uh, in just this few week period. And so God here 
desires for Israel to give them abundant blessing. And may I say this morning that God for you desires to give you abundant blessing? That Jesus came to give us life and that we, not only that we might have life, but that we might have it more abundantly. He wants us to have an abundant Christian life. He wants us to have a life in which is filled with God's power, with God's blessing, with God's use of our lives. He desired for them a growing faith. I think that that's established from his first conversations that are recorded with Abraham as he moves forward and moves on uh, throughout the, all of this time leading up to this point. You see uh, progressively how their faith should be built as they have gone uh, through the process of their departure from Egypt across. And so uh, he's working. Their, their faith should be growing. God is fulfilling promises. Uh, and so this should be a time of great excitement. This should be a time of great uh, joy and a time that they're looking with great opportunity. But Israel misses the opportunity. Uh, Israel, as they send out the spies, they send them out in, in Numbers chapter number 13 and beginning in uh, verse number 27, they're giving the report back to Moses of, uh, of what they've experienced as they've gone out and, and looked over the land uh, to see that, that God had promised. And it says there, and they told him and said, we came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and, the t and, the t and this is the fruit of it. Uh, Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the land to the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which, became, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. So these ten men, only of the twelve that went, uh, only Joshua and Caleb, had the faith to move on what God had said he would promise. Now God's response, and we don't have for sake of time, uh, can't continue reading there in Numbers, but if you were to look into the next chapter and read that this week, what you'll find is that God is so angry at Israel at this response that he's going to destroy them. Matter of fact, he tells Moses, Moses, step back. I'm going to destroy this people and I'm just going to make a great nation out of you. In other words, I'm, I'm going to wipe them out and I'm going to keep my promise to Moses through you. And we're just going to start over. This is a hopeless case. But Moses intervenes and Moses stands between God and the people of Israel and prays to God on their behalf and seeks for them God's mercy. And the result of that is that God, uh, God grants Moses' request, but he, he mandates that everyone save Joshua and Caleb will die as they wander through the wilderness for 40 years. No one 
that was 20 years old and older would be permitted to cross the Jordan and to take possession of the land that God had promised. They would wander so that those that were 20 and younger could grow, so that they could mature, so that they could learn to trust God. And so they started on a 40-year journey of faith. They could not learn it leaving Egypt. They did not learn it crossing the Red Sea. They did not learn it as he provided their needs along the way. And so they would have to take the next 40 years uh, and learn. Uh, and so uh, when we come back now to Joshua, they have fulfilled that 40 years and they have been at war in the promised land for five years taking possession. And so we began this morning seeing that God's desire for them is blessing and a growing faith. And Israel has an opportunity, but they fail the opportunity. And I want you to notice this morning, that's the only opportunity that they got. That older generation would not get another opportunity. I'm not saying that they didn't get other opportunities to express some faith and to be blessed by God. God blessed them through their years of wandering. He provided every need that they had. Their, uh, their, their clothes did not wear out. There were a lot of miracles that God did for them during that 40 years as he took care of his people. But it was not what God intended. They never got another opportunity to experience the greatest things that God had planned for them. He gave them one opportunity to step out by faith. He gave them one opportunity to believe in him and to trust him. He did not do so blindly. He had demonstrated for them many times in the weeks preceding how great his power was and how great he wanted to uh, prosper them and the, the, the extraordinary links that he would go to to protect them and to deliver them. But they would not trust him. All they could see were the obstacles. All they could see were the impossibilities. And so they have an opportunity for blessing. They have an opportunity to possess a growing faith. They have an opportunity to enjoy all that God had promised them at its very best. And let me say this morning that whenever you set out to follow God as he leads you, there will always be obstacles. It doesn't matter if it's a young couple setting out to plant a church or a young couple setting out to go to the foreign field as missionaries. It doesn't matter if it's a church uh, that is stepping out together to do something by faith, uh, to, uh, to follow the Lord in his leadership. There will always be obstacles. They faced obstacles. Yes, the land was great. Yes, the land was abundant with foods. And uh, yes, it was the land that they described as flowing with milk and honey. And they brought out uh, things, bunches of grapes that had to be put on a stick and carried by two men because they were so large and so abundant. It was amazing uh, what God had put before them. But they couldn't see the blessing and they couldn't see the power and they couldn't remember the great things that God had already done. All they could see were the giants. All they could see were the armies of the nations that possessed the land that God had given to them. And when we see problems as unsolvable, then we lose heart and give up. Now we immediately, whenever obstacles come, we begin to solve them ourselves. And I don't believe that, there's, that it's necessarily wrong for us to look and say, okay, is there something that I can do to rectify this? But Ultimately, we should be going directly to God. God, uh, this is your problem. If I'm doing something on behalf of the Lord as God has led, then the problem is not mine, nor is the battle mine. It's God's. The question then becomes, will I trust him? 
Israel saw the obstacles of the promised land to be greater than God's ability to deliver. Would we this morning look at things that God would put before us as a church or that God would put before those that we send out or that we help as greater than God's ability to deliver? Would we be easily discouraged? Would we be quick to lose heart? Every endeavor of faith possesses challenges. It poses challenges to perform. And if we view those challenges uh, of obedience to God's leading as greater than God's ability to overcome, we'll fail. And what seems impossible to man is no challenge at all for God. And we need to be mindful of the fact that God has demonstrated for us time and again in the scripture that we are to be a people of great faith. And we are to be a people that aren't afraid to step out and to follow where God has led and to allow God to work in us and to accomplish what he has a design for every life. Israel saw only the obstacles and only the intervention of Moses on their behalf saved them from God's wrath. Forty years they would wander. Joshua 14 finds us with Israel five years in to the promised land. Moses has died for his sin. Aaron has died. And outside of Joshua and Caleb, no one over the age of 60 lives. And there are a few that are that old. They are young people. They are a people that are uh, embracing what God has for them. Caleb is an amazing character. You notice in, uh, in Numbers where we looked that it wasn't Joshua that stood up to the people. It was Caleb that stood up to the people. Joshua is God's chosen leader. Joshua is now leading the nation. He is for all intents and purposes their new Moses. But Caleb is the one that stood up. Caleb is the one that has stood beside Joshua and led he stood there and been an example. He's fought valiantly as they have gone into the land. And Caleb as a spy through the wandering now in battle has wholly, completely followed God. He expresses that here. A lifetime he has followed God. From slavery to sea crossing to wandering to Jordan crossing to Jericho to five years of chasing out those that God had put in the land to preserve it and to take possession, he has just done what God has given him to do. He has wholly followed God. So what does that mean? The word here that's used for holy means essentially this. And I'm not going to give you a big, long definition. I'm just going to kind of paraphrase uh, this definition of this Hebrew word. It means simply this. Uh, it is to essentially, be, essentially it means to be consumed with. What, what Caleb is saying is, I have been consumed with my God. I have been consumed with the person of my Savior. I have been consumed with his command. I have been consumed with doing what he has given me to do. And he hasn't gotten distracted by the failures of those around him. He has stayed in tune with his God and he has wholly, completely followed him. He has found his fulfillment in God. He has found his joy in God. He has found his accomplishments in God. And listen, he's an amazing key figure here uh, because it would be Hard to go through what he went through and to stay engaged in what God had given to do. He says in verse 12, If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able. If God's with me, there's nothing that I can't do. 
If God's with me, there's nothing that can't be accomplished. If God is with me, then great things will happen for man. So what is so special about uh, Caleb here? And we see in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13, he says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Fear God, keep his commandments. That's all Caleb's done. He's done it for a lifetime. He has feared God. He has kept his commandments. He has followed him true. He has done what God has given him to do. And he believes God passionately. And his passion for God for a lifetime has given him the capacity to trust God for great things. Amen. Amen. Consider this morning, put yourself in his shoes, that he has demonstrated his Christian duty of fearing God and keeping his commandment in times of great danger. So they escaped Egypt and that army bore down upon them. He witnessed the plagues. He lived through the Passover. He, uh, he uh, stood there as the army bore down wanting to destroy them and walked across the Red Sea on dry land. He uh, trusted God uh, in times of drought as he watched Moses draw water from a rock and, uh, and provide in other miraculous ways, he uh, lived through times of great discouragement. Uh, listen, if we had, had to live through 40 years of wandering because of the sins of another, stop and think about what he's done. Their lack of faith at Kadesh Barnea, not his lack of faith. Their lack of faith caused him to serve a 40-year sentence for a crime he did not commit. And what you never see mentioned about Caleb, what you never hear God give any indication of, is that he was a man who struggled with bitterness. Or that he was a man that struggled with anger against his people. I'm going to tell you this morning, if I had to serve a 40-year sentence for something that, uh, that the people that I was there with had done, I don't think that I would be real cordial to them. I don't think I'd be very appreciative. I don't think there'd be a lot of love for them. But he has love for them. He has fought for them. He has been an example to them. He has loved them, and he's just served God through times of discouragement. Uh, he's not bitter. He doesn't hold resentment. And for five years, he has patiently waited his turn. I mean, if I'm, if I'm him, I'm thinking, okay, Joshua, we've been wandering here uh, for 40 years because all of these people that we're with didn't have the faith that you and I had. Uh, we're going to start engaging in battle. I want my inheritance first. I'm entitled. I think mean, you'd have a pretty strong argument. How do you argue with that? He's been faithful. He's trusting God. But nowhere do you see that indication. As a matter of fact, where this comes in the story is at the end of their taking possession of the land. They're ready to shut down. There are still battles that need to be fought, but they're not going to do everything that God has commanded them to do. But Caleb has done all that God's commanded him to do. What did he do? He defeated the defiant. You stop and you consider them. He, he demonstrated his Christian duty. He defeated the defiant. He overcame Israel's lack of faith. He overcame the secret and the stubborn sins uh, of harboring anger and bitterness and resentment toward them. He overcame that. He would overcome the giants of the land. They were no obstacle for him. He dreamed big dreams. You know, so often what was demonstrated here is what we demonstrate sometimes today. Uh, we, if we, those of us that have been around a while, uh, sometimes are much more reluctant to dream big dreams than the young men are. 
But here's Caleb, 85, dreaming big dreams for God. Asking God, not for the easy things, but for the hard things. And when we wholly follow God, then we can count on God being with us. And he believed with all of his heart that I have wholly followed my God. My God is with me. And this is no problem. What does he ask for? He doesn't ask for the easy thing. He asks for the hard thing. So if I would fully follow my God and my God would be with me, then there ought to be some things that are evident in my life. And the first thing that I see here this morning that should be evident in our life if we're with our God and God is with us is that our faith will be an increasing faith. Our faith will be increasing. Is your faith increasing this morning? Do you demonstrate in your own life to God more faith now than you did years ago? How many times do we come and I can't tell you how many times people come and tell me stories of what they used to do for God. I'm not talking about random people either. I'm talking about a lot of people that are sitting in this room this morning. They'll come and tell me, oh, I used to do this for God. And I realize that there are some physical limitations that uh, get us to a point where there are some things that we can just no longer physically do. But are we encouraging those that can are we praying for those that can? Are we, uh, are we committed to those and, and to serving with those that can? And listen, if I am wholly committed to my God and I have faith in him, that faith will be an increasing faith. God didn't say, I want you to have faith to save, for me to save you and then a faith to follow me for a while and then your faith can start waning off. No, our faith should be growing until we come into his presence. And here Caleb we see here in verse number 12 uh, of our text in uh, Joshua 14 says, Now therefore give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. Whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there. You understand what he's asking for here. He's saying we've been fighting Joshua for five years. We wandered for 40, we're fighting for five. There's this mountain over here that's the whole reason why we had to wander in the first place. This mountain where the giants were, this mountain where these big obstacles were, these, this mountain where, uh, where no one believed that we could overcome, I want that one. He's asking for the, the opportunity to show the younger generation that he can go out and the things that their fathers and their grandfathers forfeited God's blessing for, that God is still able to deliver what he promised. Amen. And he asked for the hard thing. Why? Because his faith has increased. And listen, it's only natural that his faith has increased. I mean, you think about this again. I know I've mentioned this already a couple times. And this isn't because I forgot that I did. This is because I'm trying to help us to just really live what Caleb lived. Born a slave. Endured the plagues. Experienced the first Passover. Fled from the armies. Watched God present himself in a pillar of fire to protect them from that army. Watched the Red Sea part. Walked across it on dry ground. Turned back and watched as God closed it in on the charging army and destroyed them for Israel's behalf. Went across, took water from the rock. Can you imagine being able to say, yeah, I was there. 
You understand, out of everyone in their nation, only he and Joshua at this point are able to say, I know what it was like to be enslaved in Egypt. I remember. I remember what it was like to taste that water that God gave from the rock. I remember what it was like to see Moses come down off the mountain with his face aglow. He remembered the failings, but he also remembered the blessings and his faith because of what he had experienced from God, even in the wilderness, did not destroy his faith or deter his faith. It increased it. Why? Because faith increases when it's exercised. If you want to have an increasing faith, then you must exercise faith on a regular basis. There are a lot of things that come up in life. There are a lot of things that we do as a church family. Uh, this, uh, there are a lot of things that, uh, that, that just present themselves as needs as uh, different people come through our ministry, maybe a missionary or someone that has a need. Uh, will we step out by faith? Will we engage in God in faith? Will we exercise our faith that God might grow it? I can't hoard it and hunker down with it and think about it. It's like the, uh, like the parables of the talents in the New Testament. If God is entrusted with the faith that I've got, if I do not use it, then I am not honoring and glorifying God. Without faith, it is impossible to even please God. God seeks for and wants to honor great faith. And our faith must be increasing, a faith that increases when it's exercised. And secondly, faith increases as God provides. God never failed Caleb, not one time. So, Pastor, didn't he fail Caleb when the people uh, didn't have faith to go into the promised land and he had to wander? No, God didn't fail him, the people failed him. And he had to pay a price because of their failure. But he didn't get angry and bitter about it. And that's a great lesson for us to learn as a church. Hey, church family. You stop and think about that in our Christian life. It may be that sometimes that we have to endure uh, different things that God is holding back and blessing because of some lack of faith by brothers and sisters in Christ. Do we get angry about that? Do we get bitter about that? Do we hang on to it and feel justified and, and, and hanging on to hard feelings? Or do we simply just give ourselves wholly to God? Give ourselves completely to God. Secondly, we see this morning that not only, and by the way, the more that we see God do, the easier it should become to trust God for great things. So it's a matter of what our focus is. We like to focus on the failure. We like to focus on the problems. It's natural for our mind to go to uh, what could have been and what didn't happen rather than to focus on the great, wonderful things that God has done. Secondly, our faith will be empowering. Our faith will be empowering. Notice again in verse number 12. He said first, now therefore give me this mountain where the, the Lord spake in that day for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out. It's all contingent upon God. It's not about him. It's about God's power. It's about God's grace. It's about God's Honoring a faith. Why was it honored or what was it empowered? How is it empowered? Well, first we see that it's empowered by the confidence that God can. There's no doubt in his mind that God can. 
And how many times that we present something or we have an opportunity that comes up and we sit back and we think, oh, we can't do that. We don't have to do that. All we have to do is follow God. All we have to do is put our faith and trust in Him. Will we trust Him? And He is empowered by the confidence that God can. Only that, He's engaged in the battle confident that God will. How do you know, Pastor? Because he, he goes and engages in battle with the giants. And we don't have time to look ahead. But if you look ahead at the next few chapters of the book of Joshua, he did not just say, give me that mountain. If God will be with me, I can defeat these giants. The next couple of chapters give us the history of him going and engaging in battle and defeating the giants. Amen. And leaving an inheritance for his children. And we don't know how long Caleb lived and how long he was able to enjoy uh, the, the, what God had given him. Uh, but we do know this, God did wonderful, miraculous things for him because he was a man of great faith that was wholly committed to his God. And so what we see this morning is that when we wholly follow God, our faith will be increasing. Secondly, we see that our faith will be empowering. And then thirdly, this morning, consider that our faith will be inspiring. Our faith will be inspiring. Notice verse number 13. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephna, Hebron, for an inheritance. So, Pastor, who did he inspire? Well, obviously, here in our text, he inspired his leader. Joshua was inspired by his faith. Can you imagine Joshua? This is probably, I, I cannot imagine any other scenario but where Caleb would be someone that, that was very close to Joshua. They're the only ones left from the beginning. They've shared every experience together. Now I can imagine Joshua saying here now at this point, okay, Caleb, we've been fighting for five years. We've wandered for 40. This is the hardest part that's left. Are you sh Let me send the young men up there. No, no, Joshua, I want it. Let me show them what God can do. Joshua looking out for his friend trying to just, hey, let me, let, we, you've done enough. You don't have to do any more. You don't, you don't have to press on. You don't have to put yourself in harm's way anymore. You've done enough. Let, let the young men fight the battle. I'll still give you the land. Now, we don't know that that conversation actually happened, but it's kind of hard for me to imagine that Joshua, at least in his heart, didn't think it. But how could you not be inspired? How could he not be inspired when Caleb came and said, Joshua, I need to talk to you for a minute. We've been with these whippersnappers all this time. We've been showing them. Let me show them one more time that God is great. Let me show them one more time that God is powerful. Let me show them one more time that God is with us. Joshua said, it's all yours. He inspired his leader. Tell me this morning how a leader couldn't be inspired by such great faith. But not only that, and I guess these last couple of subpoints here, I'm supposing a little bit, if you'd grant me just a little bit of liberty here, to imagine myself as one of these men that had witnessed all of this and followed them. That our faith will inspire our followers. 
Now, I believe the text lends credence to that if we were to read on a couple of chapters because Caleb didn't fight alone. Others helped. He led the battle. He led the charge. But he didn't fight alone. They were at least inspired enough to go and engage in the battle with him. They weren't going to let him charge those giants by themselves. But he inspired them. And listen, there are people uh, that you young men need to inspire. Those of us that are older, those of us that have grown hesitant, those of us that are, uh, that are kind of too sometimes concerned looking out for uh, what God has already given and not wanting to risk anything anymore at this point uh, in life. Uh, inspire us. But us older men need to go on and continue to serve and continue to dream big things for God and ask God to do great and mighty things amongst us and uh, to glorify himself through us so that others that are coming, that are new to the faith, that are new to the church, that are new to trusting Christ as Savior, those that are, are returning from a, a state of being away from God or those that uh, have grown stagnant can be inspired to do something for the benefit uh, of God, to allow God to work through them and to live through them that much can be accomplished for his glory. Let your faith inspire follow your followers. I would say thirdly this morning, subpoint wise here, that our faith should inspire, will inspire future generations. So pastor, what future, what future generations are inspired? I don't know about you, but this story inspires me. Amen. That might not qualify the way that we would typically think here, but there are future generations of his people, of his family that possess this land, that hold this land, that continue the fight. But I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a few thousand years later now and we can read this text and we can still be inspired to have great faith for God. Amen. What I'm saying this morning is this, that when God is with us, when we wholly give our hearts to God, God is with us. And when God is with us, when God is leading I'm not talking about, oh, I've got these great things that I want to see done, and so I'm going to profess my faith in God, and God's bound to do it. No, when my whole heart is given to God, when He is my all, when He is what I live for, when He is my joy, when my, when my joy is not based upon circumstance, when I'm able to forgive those that have wronged me, when I'm able to let go of bitterness and hatred, when I'm able to uh, get off of the entitlement bandwagon and feel like I'm owed this and I'm owed that, when I'm able to come and just say, you know what, my circumstances don't matter and it doesn't matter how anybody treats me. What matters this morning is that I have given myself completely and wholly to my God and my joy is in him and my peace is in him and my empowerment's in him and my sustenance is in him. I don't need anything or anyone other than the Lord my God because I've wholly given myself to him. Amen. And when I've wholly given myself to him, I can trust that he's with me. And when he's with me, my faith will be increasing. When he's with me, my faith will be empowering. When he's with me, my faith can be inspiring. And when he's with me, there is nothing that's set before me that he can't overcome.